Good morning. morning. How are you? Good. Good. Great. Thanks, Pastor Jerry. Man, I love you, man. I really do. <laughs> I love you, man. I really, really do. And as Pastor Jerry said, open your Bibles. Uh, you'll need to, uh, to 2 Timothy. We're actually going to spend our entire morning in this letter of 2 Timothy. But while you're turning the pages now, let me greet Myerstown. Myerstown, I love you. I wish I could be with you, but I'm here. Uh, but you need to open your Bibles as well to 2 Timothy. And with that, this morning, let me pray. Well, God, we thank you so much for the privilege to come into such a wonderful place to divide something so precious and so wonderful, which is your word. I pray, God, that you would um, just allow my words to be encouraging this morning. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would guide me, guide us this morning as we worship and continue to worship you by the proclamation of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, here we are. It would be fitting halfway through this series, right, to do a little bit of a pop quiz. Guys like pop quizzes? Remember pop quizzes? So pop quiz, week one, we talked about what? The Bible is the... Wow. <laughs> I was sitting in my living room last night thinking to myself, they are going to nail this. The Bible is the... Source. I heard it. I heard it. Don't worry. I, someone said it. Uh, Pastor Jerry did a great job of helping us understand that the Bible is the source, right? The Bible is the source. These books weren't on my desk when I was in school. I don't know what they're doing here. Um, but the Bible is the source, right? There's no other source. We don't go to any other book to find the words of God. We go to the Bible. We go to this book. This book is the source, amen? And hopefully you have one. If you don't have one, again, there's a table in the, black, in the back. Please go and get one. It is the source. It is God's word. It is the word of truth. And then Pastor Jerry, uh, Pastor Jerry, excuse me, last week took us through a great sermon and talked to us about this, that Jesus is the scope. scope. Thanks, Pastor Jerry. <laughs> you know, you know, you should come get the apple. <laughs> Yes, yes, Jesus is the scope. We've said God wrote a book. It is our source. And we pointed at the scope and said it's all about Jesus. This book is all about Jesus. And from beginning to end, Pastor Jared did such a fantastic job of threading us through the book and showing us how Jesus is the scope. See, we're after this in this series that we're hoping, I'm hoping, that you gain confidence in the Bible. We want you to gain confidence in the Bible. And this morning, we're going to gain confidence in our ability to study the Bible. Because here, here's the thing. If you don't hear anything else from me this morning, hear this. You can study it. You can understand it. You can open God's word and walk away with the life-giving, transformative power of God. Because the words are living and breathing. And this is the word of truth. So this morning, if you hear nothing else, hear this. You can understand it. Amen? Amen. Were you guys expecting a two-hour delay this morning or what? Like <laughs> snow, a little tired. Hopefully you're with me. But question, when you hear the word study, when you hear the word study, what do you think about? What comes to mind? I don't know about you, but when I hear the word study, all sorts of things flood my mind. I reminisce. Maybe you do. Maybe the contents of this bag make you think about something delightful. Maybe not. Maybe you guys like Carrying one of these things around often? No? I don't know about you, but when I think about the contents of this bag, I think about things like, I don't think about commentaries, that's for sure. I think about things like physics. Anyone? Physics? Perhaps? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe 
Algebra, algebra. Anyone taking algebra right now? You guys like algebra? Anyone like math? No, no one like math? I don't know. I don't know about you, but when I think about the contents of this bag, I think about homework, I think about textbooks, I think about studying. Ugh, dreadful. Can anyone relate to this? How about you? Like, be honest with yourself. Like, when you think about school, when you think about studying, when you think about homework, was it dreadful? How about this? Did studying fall off your to-do list like every week or what? Right? Be honest with yourself. If that's you this morning, today I want you to hear this. There's hope. (laughs) There is hope. There's hope. There's hope. You know why? Because listen, that was me. Listen, that was me. In school, I was the proverbial lazy kid. If you were attentive and paying attention, I probably was looking off your notes to get the right answers on the test. I was the kid in school that knew just enough to get by. I knew just enough to get by. And I heard this word often. It like haunts me. He has so much potential. Potential. Yeah. So much potential. But make no mistake about it. That was wrong. That was wrong. And that's, that's, that's the irony of this morning, right? I stand here before you, the teacher. <laughs> God, in his profound wisdom, saw fit. And hindsight surely is twenty twenty. Because I was always told this, if you're going to excel well in high school, if you were going to master the items in this bag, if you were going to excel, think about this. You can do just enough to get by, and that's what I did. But if you were going to excel, if you were going to survive the years of high school, you were going to need and master the tools. Teachers always told me and reminded me of how I could exceed expectations. And looking back, isn't that what you would want for yourself? If, if the 39-year-old stuff could talk to the 17-year-old stuff, you would say, study, right? Do the work. Listen, guys, do the work. Trust me. Take it from an old guy. Do the work. What's the point? What's the point this morning? Listen, if we're going to pass through this life, because that's what we're doing, right? This is not our home. If we're going to pass through this life and move on to the next, we are instructed to equip our minds by studying God's word and allowing it to be central to how we conduct our lives, allowing it to be the central source of what we think, allowing it to be the sole influence to our worldview. Pastor Jerry did a fantastic job of introducing us to this equation, right? I should quiz you on that one. But since you did so well in the beginning, I'll tell you what it is. Learning times living is loving, right? Learning times living equals loving. Loving God, loving his word, and loving his world. You want to love God? You want to love his word? You want to love his world? Learning and living, doing the work, being faithful. Because listen, unlike me, we are pursuing more than just making the grade, right? We're pursuing more than just checking the box. We're pursuing more than just crawling across the finish line. And we're pursuing more than what Paul talks about to Timothy and and chasing after every tickle of the year. Listen to what he says in chapter 4, verse 3. He says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. The time is coming. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening 
to the truth. I'm so glad, I'm so thankful that we get to come here week after week and sit under sound, faithful teaching. Amen? Sound, faithful teaching. You want your ear tickled? Come here every Sunday. God's truth is proclaimed. But listen, we are all called to be stewards of God's word too. We are called to guide our lives by it. We are called to guide our loved ones' lives by it and to, Lord willing, guide others' lives by it. Right? Knowing the word of truth is how we discern error. It's how we will know truth. Friends, we live in, we live in dangerous times. Truth be told, right? We live in dangerous, dangerous, dangerous times. We are surrounded by people who are lovers of self, lovers of money. They're proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, people that are ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, people that are brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of, of God. Or how about this? This is worse, perhaps looking like a form of godliness but denying its power by how they live. That sound familiar to you? It should. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5, these are Paul's words. Some 2,000 years ago, Paul was reminding Timothy of the same level of godlessness we face today. It's no different. It's no different. He was reminding him of the necessity to equip people to be sound in their thinking, sound in their living, ultimately sound in their ability to know God's word for themselves. We're going to jump into this letter and focus on uh, much of what Tim, uh, Paul has to say to Timothy, but it would be helpful for you to understand a little bit about this letter as we jump into it. You see, this letter was to Timothy written by Paul, right? Paul wrote to Timothy. This is the second letter that he wrote to him. First Timothy was the first. Super helpful, right? Second Timothy is the second. It's also important to know these are Paul's final days. Paul would soon be executed. He's sitting in prison. Isn't it fascinating in his final days, his focus isn't like hitting cruise control. His focus isn't his own safety and welfare. His focus, what is Paul's focus in his final days? His focus is on his protege, Timothy. His focus is on the gospel. His focus is on the church. The man is sitting in prison awaiting execution and his focus is on the mission. Paul was telling Timothy to take great courage. Take courage, Timothy. This mission is hard work. It's hard work. The mission he was called to would be difficult and require great commitment. And see, Paul, all throughout the letter, all throughout 2 Timothy, Paul is consistently reminding him of the permanent work of the Lord in his life. And he's encouraging Timothy to lean into it, lean on it. You see, 1 Timothy, Paul was setting precedence for the church. He's focusing Timothy's attention on the church, set the church in order. 2 Timothy is all about the man all about the man. He's focusing on the man of God, and he's encouraging Timothy to focus his effort on the gospel. Let it guide you. Let it keep you centered. You see, friends, the time period when Timothy got this letter is not much different than today, and Paul's instructions to Timothy is not that unlike our instructions today either. We need to keep the gospel central. Lean on it. Lean into it. Know it. And so today, it's important for us to, to know how we can actually learn our Bible, open the Bible, and learn to study God's Word for ourselves. Because 
the master teacher, Paul, and the student teacher, Timothy, is going to give us some clear principles on how we can open the Bibles for ourselves and learn what it says. Amen? You excited for that? So if you're ready to learn today, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. That's so great. You guys are catching on. That's great. So that in mind, let's pick up our text, 2 Timothy 2, 14. Paul says, chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says, Remind them of these things and charge them before God. What things? What is Paul saying here? Remind them of what things? Well, if you want to know what things he is to remind them of, you just go back a few verses. Back to verse 8, Paul says, Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, Jesus remains faithful. Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And so today, if we're going to gain confidence in the Bible by learning to study the Bible, we need to know that faithful study of the Bible must be understood literally. Point one, it must be understood literally. See, Paul is reminding Timothy here that the things he was taught is, in fact, the burden of proof against error. It's the burden of proof against false teaching and arguments about the truthfulness of the gospel. See, Timothy's focus was to continue reminding these believers of their commitment to the message and the proclamation of the message. Paul was encouraging him to ensure that they would not just know it, but live it. Live it and proclaim it. Paul's charge here to Timothy to remind them most certainly pertains to the previous few verses, 8 through 13, but it also encompasses the full body of teaching he received from Paul who also received it from Jesus. Jesus gave it to Paul. Paul then is transferring it to Timothy. Look at a few verses here. Chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says, you received from me what? Sound words. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, what you heard from me, these things you heard from me. And again in chapter 2, 14, he uses that word again. These things that you heard from me. Listen, Timothy was not to make up his own content. Timothy was instructed to retell. Timothy was not responsible to make up the things. He was, t- he was given the things. He was instructed to retell. 2 Timothy 1.13, Paul says, follow after the pattern of sound words you heard from me. Follow after the sound words you heard from me. And so as a faithful teacher, Timothy was to teach them these things. These things, sound doctrine, complete doctrine. That word sound doctrine means that do- truth that is both believed and lived. It's sound. It's complete. Teach them these things, not your things. Not personal opinion, Timothy. Teach them these things. As a teacher of God's word, I am, we are, 
instructed to do the same thing. Right? Remind people over and over of God's word. How many of you believe that a message from God is worth repeating, right? It's worth repeating. We come here week after week, not necessarily hearing it the same way, but definitely hearing the same gospel. We don't get up here and deliver some sort of unique content. We're here delivering the gospel week after week. And Timothy was to remind the hearers in Ephesus of that day of those things, the things that you were taught. Because Paul knows, and I want you to know this morning, that it's the truth of God that changes lives. It's the truth of God that changes lives. So the question this morning, like, do you want your life changed? It's the truth of God that changes your life. What's the alternative? Well, Paul says here, to remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Quarreling about words. Paul is saying, look, look, these people will literally argue over what they think it means. But you know what it means. You have the word of truth. You know what I taught you. Don't quarrel over words. Don't get involved in arguments over what you think it means. It's not profitable. It actually ruins the hearers. The word here for ruins the hearers is the word for catastrophe. It creates catastrophe. People come to utter ruin when they're left to speculation. You have the word of truth. You can understand it literally. Listen, when we abandon the Bible as the primary source, we damage people, we create division, we trade biblical revelation for human speculation. Catastrophe. Utter ruin. So we study God's word. God's word. The Bible is the central source. And Paul is encouraging Timothy that you are to remind them of these things. There's no need to quarrel over words. We have the word of truth. There's no need to quarrel. We have it. We have God's word. We have the source. Amen? And so we read it. We understand it literally. We understand it literally. What, what does that mean? What does that mean even? Well, it means this. We do not strive to make it say what it does not say. So as to quarrel. We do not strive to make it say, say what it does not say. We strive to read it literally. And so a proper hermeneutic, you're going to hear that word, it simply just means a study of the word of God. Just a method of study right? A method of study. A proper hermeneutic or a proper method of study is the approach when the reader approaches the text, assuming that the meaning of the text is determined by the author's original intention. Did you hear that? Let me repeat that again. The reader approaches the text. The reader, that's you, approaches the Bible. That's me, that's me approaching the Bible, assuming that the meaning of the text is determined by the author's original intent. Right? author's intent. And so it's important that when you study the Bible, when you study, for instance, 2 Timothy, you read the entire letter. Just read the entire letter. If you sent someone a letter, you'd want the same respect given to you. So we read entire books of the Bible at a time. We study to, to mine out what is the author speaking to us. These authors wrote with a purpose led by God, and so we take great joy in discovering that purpose. We take great joy Listen, a text cannot mean what the author never intended it to mean. It can't. And so we, we go to God's word and we study and we read. We put the work in. We labor 
we do the work. We want to hear what the authors have to say. And aren't you so glad that God spoke in human language so we would understand it the same way we understand everything else? Last week, Pastor Jerry talked about the common language being established through that 400 years of silence. It's so God's word could be understood. It's so the words of truth could be translated in a language that we can understand. So this would bring us great joy and give us great confidence that we can actually go to this book and read it and understand what it has to say. And I'm so thankful for organizations that are translating the, the gospel, translating the Bible in, in all different languages so that people all over the world can hear it and understand it. Aren't you glad you don't have to learn some heavenly language just to understand what it has to say? It'd be near impossible. All right, where, where, where are my husbands in the room? If you're a husband, raise your hand. Aren't you glad that your wife speaks your language? Maybe, 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 maybe not, I don't know. But you should be saying, yes, I'm very thankful that my, my wife speaks my language. Listen, when my wife speaks to me, I want to know exactly what she's saying. I want to know exactly what she's saying. So I interpret what she tells me literally. I want to know exactly what she's saying. But listen, there's one area where I get this awfully wrong, right? It's grocery shopping. I get it wrong every single time. But I get a list. I have the list. And I do things like I get more than what's on the list. I put things on the list that shouldn't be there. I don't get things that's on the list. I, I actually go there and miss everything, and I come out with things that she never intended me to, to come out with. I get the wrong things. But I have the list. I shouldn't get it wrong. Listen, when we come to God's Word, we ask good questions. What does it say? We have it. We can read it. We can understand it. What does it say? Who were they writing to? What problem were they trying to solve? Who is the audience? Why did they pick up their pen in the first place? What did they, what did they hear? What was going on in that time that made them pick up their pen and, and feel led to write letters, books, poems, all sorts of genre? You see, Paul wrote to Timothy with a purpose. It's within that purpose, Paul says to Timothy, remind them, remind them, Timothy, remind them of these things, not your things. Remind them of Jesus' words, not your own. This leads us closer to the intent. We can understand the Bible and apply it to our lives based on what it literally says, church. The earthly author had a purpose and so does the heavenly one, right? Paul says in 3.16, he says that all scripture... All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. All scripture by God for our good. That should make you want to know it. That should make you want to know what it says. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you can read it literally. You can read it and understand it. And so we understand the Bible literally. And point two, we faithful study of the Bible must be handled accurately. We read it literally and we handle it accurately. Paul says, remind them, do not quarrel. And said, focus your energy on the word of truth. This phrase comes at the end of verse 15. But Paul says, focus your energy there. Focus your attention on the word of truth. The word of truth is what you're delivering. The word of truth is what you're reminding them of. 
2 Timothy 2.2, 2, he also says that you are to take these words of truth and, and entrust them to faithful men so that they can entrust to other faithful men and keep, keep it going. The word of truth, remind them, do not quarrel. The word of truth, this phrase means the very words of God, the verifiable, the verifiable essence of reality. There's no other word, there's no other source, there's no other scope, there's nothing else more worthy of study than this book. Friends, we've been called to be committed to God's word in the same way because God's truth is the true reality. God's truth is the true reality. Timothy was expected to handle it accurately in light of that. And this word accurately, to, to, to handle it accurately, actually means to divide, to cut straight. Paul was saying you need to cut it straight, Timothy, divide it well, handle it accurately, continuously remind them of the teachings of Jesus, which I left with you, and do your best to handle these, these words of truth well. Do your best to handle them well. And so the question is this morning, how do we do that? How was Timothy to do that? Timothy would have had direct context for this. He knew. He was taught directly by Paul. As a matter of fact, he had Paul's scrolls. He had the parchments. 2 Timothy 4.13, Paul says that when you come, bring my parchments. Bring the scrolls. Bring the teachings with you. So how do we mine out these same riches, these same treasures of truth, ourselves. Well, in your notes, in your bulletin, there was what I hope to be a, a helpful resource for you, this bookmark that hopefully stays in your Bible for some time to come. But on the back side of this uh, bookmark is a method. It's a method. You're going to get all four years of Bible college uh, summed up in like 10 minutes here. Hopefully you appreciate it. <laughs> but on, the back si on the back side of this uh, bookmark is what's known as the HGRT method. Really simple to remember, right? And this process, this, this method is so clear yet powerful. And this will help you to unpack your study times and make them so meaningful and rich. And then that's my prayer. That's my prayer. My prayer is that this would stay in your Bibles for some time to come as you study God's word for yourself. But let's jump into this, right? So H, H, historical. There are historical, anyone love history in the room? Do you love history? I love history. People, places, things, events. I just love understanding. You don't love history? No, no. I love it. It's great. I love understanding events, context. I love understanding people and places and different things that are happening throughout history. I got to say, one of the things that blew my mind in Bible college was taking American religious history. It's so fascinating to go back and look at the events of our nation in light of the church. Fascinating. You won't get that in public school. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. So history, we understand historical context. We understand things like the author, the author. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. What does it say in your Bible? Look at your Bible. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. There you go. You just did it. You just discovered who the author of 2 Timothy is. That's, a, that's literally how easy this process is, right? Author. Who was the author of 2, 2 Timothy? Paul. Thank you. You discover things like audience. Who is Paul writing to? Well, Keep reading, chapter 1, verse 2. To Timothy, my beloved child. You guys are Bible scholars. It took me weeks to learn this. <laughs> it's taking you minutes. Awesome. Paul, the author. Timothy, the audience. If you go down even further, chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, and may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know well the service he rendered at Ephesus. 
You know how good he, how faithful he was to you in Ephesus. Where's Timothy? Timothy's in Ephesus. Paul's writing. Timothy is the audience. Ephesus is the location. Awesome. Historical context. It's important to know these things. It's important to discover these things as you're reading through the scriptures. Here's some extra credit, though. Any of you like extra credit? Like, like if you complete the test, you want to get extra credit? Awesome. Extra credit. Extra credit. Culture, right? Things like culture. What is Ephesus like? Well, if you want to know what Ephesus is like, you can go out of 2 Timothy, go back to the book of Acts, read through chapter 19 and 20, and learn all about how great Ephesus was for Paul. (laughs) Get a little bit of a cultural context for for what Paul is writing about, what Paul is writing to Timothy about. So Paul is our author. Timothy is our audience. Ephesus is the location. Timothy is the pastor there in Ephesus. Ephesus, if you don't know, is just is a cultural melting pot. It's all these cultures coming together. It's a major city in that day. And so you can imagine all the influential thoughts and philosophies swarming about in, in a city like that. So understanding these things help you to go to the letter and understand some of the things that Paul is writing about. So H, history. We understand historical context. Who is the author writing to? G, grammar, the grammatical context. Trust me, you love people who take grammar seriously, right? We have a slide, I think, here. Take for Yeah, you appreciate people who take grammar very, very seriously, don't you? Yeah, I didn't write that, by the way. Don't, don't judge me. Grammar. When you go to Scripture, you go there understanding that there's a normal language of the day. There's a normal language being written. Paul wrote in a normal language so Timothy could understand. It's the same respect we give a letter from a loved one or a friend. As I said earlier, if my wife writes me a letter, if my wife sends me a text or she sends me on a mission with a, with a list, I want to know exactly what's on there. I want to read it literally and understand it in her way and the way she writes and the way she would want me to understand things. She has a voice. Paul has a voice. And he's writing to Timothy a letter that can be understood simply the same way we give anything else that we read the same, the same respect, right? So we understand normal grammatical structure. We understand sentence structure. Paul, the, the king of run-on sentences, <laughs> right? We read the entire letters to understand the full context. After all, this is, this is a letter. This is a letter to Timothy. And so we read it the same way we read any other letter. We have historical context. We have grammatical context. And we have R, which is rhetorical context. Listen, rhetorical context just simply means the style used to communicate the author's thought. Simple. Super simple. There's all sorts of different genres all throughout Scripture. We have letters. We have poetry. We have wisdom literature. We have parables. We have apocalyptic literature. It's important to know that those things can be understood differently, but understood literally and understood the way that they were written and the style with which they were written in. There's historical context, there's grammatical context, there's rhetorical context, there's style, there's genre, but there's also a theological context. All these things swirl about and bring us to some conclusions on who God is, what is his character, what is his nature, how does God communicate his truths to us. There's theological riches all throughout the letter. This isn't necessarily a theological treatise that Paul is writing to Timothy. He's actually writing a letter to his beloved friend, his child in the faith. But 
in the midst of that, he's communicating some real truths to, to Timothy and real truths to us. There's theological implications in these, in these letters. There's historical context, there's grammatical context, there's rhetorical, there's theological. Hopefully that, that process for you just like opens up a whole new world of understanding and study as you um, think about studying God's word in your own time. This method has greatly helped me in my study. It's helped me to stay focused and steady. It's kept me straight. It's kept me straight. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here about handling it accurately. He's actually using the word here for rightly handling. It's the word orthotomeo. It's the same word that we get the word orthodontist or orthopedic. Trust me, you want those guys to keep things straight, right? I mean, you ever broke a bone before? Anybody have braces? You want those guys to know what they're doing. It's also where we get the word orthodoxy, right? Our teaching and our truths need to align with Scripture. They need to come into alignment and cut it straight, right? Your living and your learning come into alignment. Timothy was instructed to keep hearers on the straight path, which in turn teaches them to keep others on the straight path. That's what he's saying in 2 Timothy 2 too. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to entrust to other faithful men. This is the goal. This is the goal. This is the goal. It's the great equation. Learning times living is loving. Learning times living is loving. And we model and teach others to do the same. That they're learning would turn into living, which would then turn into loving our great God, his word, and his world. We study so we can handle the Bible literally, and we study so we can handle it accurately, but we study so we can pursue it diligently. Point three, faithful study of the Bible must be pursued diligently. Pursued diligently. Timothy, remind the people over and over and over again of these things based on this thing, the word of truth. You see it? You see it? Remind them of these things based on the main thing, which is the word of truth. So Timothy, do your best to present yourself. Do your best to present yourself first to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. When all your teaching, when all your believing, when all of your living is based on this book, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of. You're an approved worker. You are one who God looks at as approved. Present yourself to the Lord as one approved, a worker. A worker. Previously in this chapter, he says a soldier who, who doesn't get entangled in civilian pursuits. He says, or an athlete who is not crowned unless he completes according to the rules, or a hardworking farmer. You have no need to be ashamed when you're committed to the work. You have no need to be ashamed when you're committed to the work. Paul is telling Timothy, do everything within your control based on what you were taught in the power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to present yourself to God as one who is tried, tested, receivable, approved. Approved. Be diligent. Be diligent. We pursue the word of God diligently. We embrace the process. We do the work. We do the work. And this is applicable in so many ways. I know many of you, and I know myself, when you're committed to something, I've seen many of you, when you're committed to something, you go after it. You give your all, and you don't let anything to chance, right? 
When you're passionate about something, think about the energy that you can exhaust going after that thing. I know myself, and I know when there's something that I truly am passionate about, something that I really, really want, and I know that it will pay off if I just put the work in, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm committed. See, this work is unlike any work because it has eternal benefits, right? So my encouragement to you this morning is to strap in and plan, plan well. You know, Pastor Jerry talked about uh, scheduling a habit, right, in week one, right? Scheduling a habit. How are you doing with that? Good? Did you forget about it? Doing good? Great. Well, there's two things that I do when scheduling a habit. I have two apps on my phone that help keep me scheduled. I just want to share them with you. Hopefully they're a help to you. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if they will, but maybe they will. Uh, one app is the ESV app. You're probably thinking, well, it's just the Bible on your phone. Yeah, it's Bible on my phone, but it allows me to search. It allows me to set plans. It allows me to schedule appointments with the Word of God. It's just a super helpful app on my phone. I'm, chances are when I'm drinking my coffee in the morning, I have it in front of my face anyway, right? So I might as well have the Word of God on it. So the ESV app is super helpful. If you don't have it, download it. It's free, but it allows me to do all sorts of great things with the Word of God, and it's it's, it's on my phone, which is, which is super accessible. The second app that I use to schedule a habit that I often have a date with in the morning is this app called, it's, a dwell, it's called Dwell, the Dwell app, right? And this app allows me to listen to the Word of God, right? And they have all of the books of the Bible recorded. They have all these topics recorded. If you want to listen to like a five-day study on the Beatitudes, they have all the passages all, already read, recorded, and you can actually listen to it in the British voice, which I like per- personally. I like a little sophistication in the morning with my coffee. So, uh, but there's all sorts of different uh, accents, and there's even like some music to go along with it. You know, in the morning, it's like a little bit of a downtime. We we call it in our house, we call it our quiet time. But you need tools to help you get started, and hopefully you have some tools in your life that help you get into the book, get into the Word of God, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. We have all sorts, technology is a good thing. Amen? We use technology every Sunday to get the Word of God to Myerstown. Praise God for that. And to those of you that are online, if you're online, if you're watching, we praise God for technology. But how often in matters that require great effort, that requires to work a plan or create a plan or a habit, do we cut corners? Right? It's okay to admit that. I do. I cut corners. And what does that do to our conscience? right? It sears our conscience, right? I saw a quote recently by a pastor in the the Northwest, John Comer. He says that uh, all my worst moments are when I'm in a hurry. That's true, right? All my worst moments are when I'm in a hurry. And when matters of, of great effort are required and we have to work and plan and strategize, we often are tempted to cut corners. We often are tempted to not put the work in. But listen, Paul is wanting Timothy to be a faithful worker who has no guilt, a clear conscience, and has no need to be ashamed. So do the work. Do the work. This work has eternal benefits. This work is eternally rewarding. God has given us his truth in our language and made it able to be understood, to be held, to be read, so that we would not wonder what is the truth and what isn't that we would not grow weary in searching for God's riches. We have it. We can discover it. We can learn it. We can study it. And we don't have to get lost over what is and what isn't true. Amen? 
Amen. See, Paul wanted Timothy to have great confidence that he could stand on the teachings of Christ. There will always be those, though, Timothy, like he says in chapter 3, who are godless and chasing after myths and philosophies of the day. There will always be people like that. There's people like that in our day. But he says in 2 Timothy 4, he says, you, Timothy, though, you preach the word. You be ready in season, out of season. Endure sound doctrine. Endure suffering. Because the word of truth is what transforms your life. And it's profitable for every good work. It's the word of God. Don't be distracted by those who run after other things. You stay focused on the main thing. Focus, diligence. Timothy, be resolved. Church, be resolved. Let this word, let the word of truth be your plumb line. Let it be what keeps you focused. Let it be what keeps you centered. And so part of that is embracing a method, embracing a study habit, embracing a study style. And we do the work. We do things like observe the text. Simply observe the text. What does it say? Read, read the entire text. Your homework for this week, get homework. Your homework for this week is to read all of Second Timothy. Read it all. Sit down. It takes like eight minutes. You got eight minutes, right? I timed it. Eight minutes. You can read all of Second Timothy in eight minutes. Interpret the text. What does it mean? What is Paul telling Timothy first? And then what is that telling me? We observe the text so we, we can interpret the text. Remember, there's an intent, and it cannot mean what the author didn't intend it to mean. So read it. And then we relate it to the whole. Pastor Jared did such a fantastic job last week of telling us the, the whole scope of the Bible, right? How does this one letter fit into the whole scheme of things? What is Paul saying about Jesus? What is Paul saying about the Lord? What is Paul saying about the church? How does it fit into the whole? And finally, how does this text apply to my life? How can I be a workman who's approved? How can I be one who doesn't quarrel about words and, and goes chasing after irreverent babble? How can I be one who is steadfast and focused ready in season, out of season? How can I hold the word of truth reverently? How can I hold the word of truth and divide it diligently? How can I apply this to my life? Pastor Brett's going to come next week and talk to us about the Spirit, right? And trusting in the Spirit with which these scriptures were written and with which is in us and the Spirit of God in us and the Spirit of God in the Scriptures working together to help us and illuminates for us what the meaning is and helps us to make some really lifelong changes because it's the Word of God that changes lives. And so I'm excited for next week. I cannot wait for Pastor Brett to teach us all about illumination and what the Holy Spirit's job is in this process. You see, this process is significantly rewarding, significantly rewarding, but there's danger. There's danger. And I want you to understand this morning when you walk out of here that there are things to be careful of. And as a pastor, I would want you to understand that there are some dangers in interpretation and certain approaches. And so I want you to be aware and stay away from these types of, of methods or these types of interpretations. There's, there are those who determine truth first and then seek after Scripture to validate what they've determined to be true. That's a, do a dogmatic method, a dogmatic approach determining truth first and then seeking scripture to validate it. That's dangerous. There's the mystical approach, right? Mystical, approaching the text 
thinking that there's some sort of personal message meant just for you. Be careful. Be careful of that. There's the rational method, right? Scripture must be understood and explained rationally. If that's the case, seas don't split and dead men don't rise. Amen? So the world, this thing is irrational. There's the cultural method, right? Scripture meaning changes as the culture does, or reading your newspaper first and then reading the Bible. Be careful. Be careful. And these are just a few, but I want you to guard yourself. I want you to, to guard yourself and equip how you live, equip your life. And here are just a few suggestions on how to do that. And we, we would love for you to understand these things this morning, and we would want you to take advantage of all that our church offers. If you're new and you're visiting with us or have been visiting us, with us for some time, we would love for you to know that we prioritize Sunday. We prioritize coming and sitting under God's Word every Sunday. We prioritize that as the primary method which, which we get fed here at Mission Church, and so prioritize it. Make sure Sunday is a priority for your family. Secondly, if, if you're not in a small group, make sure that you are pursuing that. Small group, it's where community happens. It's where you d- divide truth together. You encounter truth together. You encounter the scriptures together. It's so important. And finally, you can take a class. As Lisa said this morning, the next round of discipleship classes are coming. Sign up and take a class. We prioritize Sunday. We commit ourselves to small groups and to the community of of believers together, and we take classes. We learn and live together here at Mission Church because we want you to, to avoid the dangers. We want you to avoid being tossed to and fro. We want you to be able to handle the God, handle God's word and divide it rightly for yourself. We want you to understand, and we want you to be a worker who has no need to be ashamed of God's truth, one who has done their best to present themselves as studied, as tested, as tried. So we pursue truth diligently. And Paul was telling Timothy the same thing. Timothy, Christ will not let you down. Christ will not let you down, and his truth will not be mocked. His truth will prevail in the lives of those who embrace it. It's a caveat. His truth will prevail in the lives of those who embrace it. You want your life changed? You want to be able to understand God's word? Embrace it. Embrace it. Because he says those who do the opposite, those who embrace otherworldly philosophies, those who diligently pursue other truths and embrace them into their lives, their folly will be plain. Second Timothy 2 excuse me, 2 Timothy 3, 9, he says that the, their folly will be plain and they will not get very far. You will not get very far and your folly will be plain to those around you. Embrace God's truth. Embrace the word of truth. Let it be what you stand on. Because Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you've built your life on something else. I've seen it. I was there. You've built your life on something living. You've built your life on something real. Something real. So if you want, your, you want your life to be changed, you want to, go, you, you want to grow confident in your Bible, you want to be able to handle it well, divide it accurately, I do. And so I understand it literally. I handle it accurately. I pursue it diligently so that ultimately that I can hold it and hold God's truth reverently. Point four. Faithful study of the Bible must be held reverently. 
that must be held reverently. Timothy, you can hear Paul's voice. Timothy, keep reminding them, keep reminding them and grounding yourself in the word of truth. Why? Because verse 16, he says, avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Ungodliness. As I was studying for this, for this sermon, I was looking at that specific verse, and this is what I found. Another way to interpret what Paul is saying there is, avoid those who engage in senseless or wicked discourses. Avoid those who engage in senseless or wicked speeches. Talks that are devoid of any divine or spiritual character, having nothing to do with truths relating to salvation or the molding of Christian life. Avoid those who speak things that are fruitless. Fruitless. You want to judge truth? Fruit. God's truth will bear fruit. Avoid those who are given over to senseless speeches, wicked discourses, things that are not true. And we have all sorts of options of this in our day. And so like I said, we prioritize coming here and sitting under God's word every Sunday. But we also prioritize it in our own lives, day after day. It must be held reverently. As I said, this book is irrational to the world. It is folly to those who are perishing. And these kinds of people were as common then as they are today. And what Paul was telling Timothy was to equip people, equip yourself to not slip into that category. It's dangerous. It's like playing with fire. And the basis for and the foundation for that is the word of truth, God's truth. Not my truth, not your truth, not Timothy's truth, it's God's truth. We study to show ourselves approved. We study to be the faithful worker who has no need to be ashamed. If the word of God is your source and you're focusing on Jesus as the scope, and you're studying the Bible diligently, faithfully, and handling it accurately, you have nothing to be ashamed of. And unlike me, when I sat in that chair some 15, 16 years ago, you won't just make the grade. You won't just crawl across the finish line. You'll be well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. You want people to look at you and say things like, what is the hope that is in you? Why do you trust this thing so much? What is it about the word of God that makes you think that it's the source of truth? So the question I have for you this morning is, does your living measure up to Christ? Does it measure up to the word of truth? Paul says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for reproof. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for correction. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete sound, 
whole, equipped for every good work. Every good work. So, is God's truth, is Scripture your measuring rod? Is it the central source to your worldview? Is it what you're measuring success in this life by? Are you allowing the word of truth to be central voice in how you guide and lead your life? That is the point this morning. Allowing this to change this, change this, right? Amen? Listen, the world out there swerves our thinking, swarms around us with philosophies, and wants to distract us with all sorts of idols. We have to stay focused and diligent and hold the word of God reverently so that we can live, we can learn, and we can love God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you put it in position to be understood. Thank you for communicating your truths, your heavenly truths, your eternal truths in our language. What a grace. And so it's my prayer that every heart in this room would treasure your word. I pray that the heart that is fickle this morning, that is faint-hearted, doubting, struggling with worry, I pray, Lord, that your word of truth would give them hope. Lord, I don't know the heart of every person in this room, Lord, but if there are any of those in this room that have yet to understand that Jesus isn't just the scope, Jesus is the Savior, I pray you would grip that heart right now, Lord, and allow your word of truth to transform them. The word of truth that says that Jesus is the Savior, that we are sinners, that we need hope. And this could be the first day of the rest of their life. Eternity hangs in the balance, Lord, and so I'm so thankful that your word is here for us to anchor us down. And so, Lord, I just am so thankful for an opportunity to present it this morning. I pray that every heart would leave here encouraged. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.